0: Hello and welcome to the Iowa Basketball Coaches Association podcast. I'm your host, Derek Dangler. Before we start, I just want to encourage those of you coaching coach in the state of Iowa to join the IBCA this season. As a member, in addition to a $2 million insurance policy for your staff, you'll also get access to our Coaches Corner and Lucio Whiteboard. Your team will become eligible for either all-region or all-state awards and much more. If you're interested, go to our website's link, which should be included in the description below if you have any questions or need more information. All right, let's get to the show. Coaches, today on the podcast, uh, we have Mike Hilmer, head boys basketball coach at Northland High School. Coach, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks a lot, Derek.
0: Hey, I'd uh, like to start everybody off with a couple of um, maybe more unique questions. So the first one is, what is your most unique basketball related skill?
1: Well, if you ask any of my players now, uh, I probably don't have much skill left, but uh, <laughs> I, I guess the the one skill that I, I try to hone in on, we have those doctor dishes. So if I can shoot from the same spot over and over and over, uh, I can be a pretty good shooter. So I, that's the only way I can compete with the boys anymore.
0: Now, is that a particular spot on the floor? Like maybe you're hitting them in the mid-range a little bit or what's the spot you're going to go to if you get to choose?
1: Well, I got to go, go straight out to the top of the key and the further off, right. the better to keep up with these guys.
0: <laughs> That's good. All right, next question. Who are your uh, favorite three basketball players of all time with two caveats? can't be someone my mom would know who's a very average basketball fan and it can't be somebody you've coached.
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm not a big NBA guy. I don't watch the NBA a lot. I watch college ball a lot more. So, sure. uh, But when I was younger, uh, I, maybe she's heard of this guy, the Dr. J. Oh, yeah. We'll count that. We'll let it slide. <laughs> All right. Dr. J was one of my favorite guys, that little little hook shot that he always threw up there. But uh, I was a big Sixers fan back in the day. I don't know why. Uh, haven't been much since. But, uh, uh, and then, honestly, you know, to me, I, you know, I think about like Spud Webb, which maybe she has or hasn't heard of, and how a, a little guy stuck with it, and and obviously he was very athletic too, but uh, uh, played a lot of, of pro ball and, and worked his way up, and didn't let size be a, a factor there. Um, and then I, I guess uh, if I can't have coached them, you know, some of the guys I've coached against, I'm gonna throw out uh, your point guard Trey Shearer because uh, very tough to prepare for. Um, but the thing that I remember not, and that's why I like to pick high school kids more than I'd like to pick college or pro is just cause I know these kids better. And, uh, I've gotten to know Trey, you know, outside of basketball. And sometimes when you compete against people, you might get a false impression of them just cause if they're good, you want to shut them down. And if you can't, uh, one of the nicest kids I've ever met, um, one of the hardest kids to prepare for and and I'm sure uh, knowing that you're his head coach that uh he would be a kid that that you would say the same thing about so uh and we've been fortunate over the past four or five years to coach against lots of kids like that and it makes it sure a lot more fun to compete that way
0: well I'm really excited to walk out this door and go tell Trey you got mentioned in the (laughs) same breath as Dr. J and uh Spud Webb that's (laughs) that's pretty good right there um well that's great appreciate uh giving that compliment to Trey uh I would. Yeah, he's a great kid to coach, certainly. Um, well, coach, let's go a little bit into your background. Uh, head coach now at North Lynn. Uh, maybe going back even to where you grew up and played high school ball at, uh, what was your journey to get to that position?
1: Well, I mean, most people know that my dad obviously is is a high school coach.
0: Um, I,
1: I went to Forest City High School, went there my whole, whole life. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I think got me into coaching is I just had a I don't know what you want to call it, but an interest in the strategy of the game from the time I was little. Uh, I can remember my favorite part of the week was being able to sit on the benches during the games and I'd run the towels out to the huddle or the, they used a ton of rosin back then. I could run the rosin in there and stuff like that. So uh, I really feel like my passion and my learning of the game came from just a very young age when I, when I sat on the bench with my dad, I, you know, I paid attention to what he said. I tried to, you know, maybe sometimes ask him questions on why he, you know, would do things that he did, and and I think that got me sparked. And then I went to Cornell College in Mount Vernon, uh, Iowa, played some ball there, uh, football and basketball while I was in college. So, uh, kind of carried over there. And then, uh, coaching wise, uh, you know, as most educators, you first you take your first job you can get when you get out of school, and. And I was fortunate enough to end up at Lincoln Central, a real small school at the time that was gonna be open for a couple more years and then it was gonna close down. And uh, we were the Lincoln Central Hawks. I was there for two years, career record there of two and 38. So uh, always like to throw that in there where uh, nobody, you know, some of these guys that get off to a bad start in your career, a lot of times the good jobs aren't, you know, the, the jobs aren't open that maybe are gonna get you a lot of wins, but you get some great experience. So. Um, and then they joined with Esterville and I got real fortunate. Tim Maskey took another job and he was a he's a well-known coach in Iowa as well, and he went to Minnesota and it was kind of late in the summer, so uh, you know had they had time to maybe prepare, I may not have gotten that job. and I spent six years there, uh, really enjoyed it there. and then you know obviously fortunate enough to land uh, here at North Lynn, where we've we've had some really good athletes. So uh, I feel very lucky to have been at all three schools, met some great people at all three schools and and probably be a light, you know, I'll probably finish my career at Northland as long as they want me.
0: Coach, how long, just to clarify, how long have you been at Northland then now?
1: So Northland, I believe this is going to be my 22nd year here.
0: Okay, awesome. Um, really love having people on who've had kind of that, you know, a long experience at, at one school. So obviously your dad is a major coaching influence for yourself. Was there anybody else who, um, you know, along the way has really sort of helped you in your coaching career?
1: Yeah, you know, honestly, you know, I look back at a lot of my, the people that coached me, you know, and some of the things that they taught me, I was really fortunate to be in Forest City. I grew up with coaches that had, you know, good values, they had good character. Um, so it was easy to learn from them that that's, you know, where success started. Um, you know, I had coach Larry Holstead, who was the athletic director at Winona State and just retired a couple years back, uh, was my football coach. Uh, I thought he was was really, really good. Kevin Copperwood was an assistant at the time that, that helped me out. And then one of my dad's longtime assistants, Chuck Edson, uh, I mean, I just loved him as a player and, and, you know, coaching with him and against him and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, those guys. And then honestly, uh, my football coach in college was one of my favorite coaches as well. Uh, Steve Miller, um, just one of those guys that could somehow make you work hard, but always make it fun, always had a witty comment or something like that. And, and just made it fun. So, you know, those those are five guys that stick out in my head, but there's a lot of colleagues, you know, uh, as you know, being a head coach, you know, I, I run ideas by and get ideas from lots of guys, you know, Larry Carlson over at uh, Benton and I are really good friends. And I've gotten a lot of things from him and Ed Tim at Mount Vernon and things like that. So there's a lot of guys I could mention. Uh, I think the, you know, the more you coach, the more connections you want to make because you sure learn something every time you talk to somebody new.
0: Absolutely, one of the reasons I, I've enjoyed doing this show so far is sort of that piece with connecting with other coaches. Um, so, Coach, been at Northland for several years, obviously, in your whole career. What do you feel like sort of changed the most for you as a coach uh, since you started coaching to um, this year?
1: Well, really, I mean, it, in terms of like philosophy and stuff, we ended up one year. It just it just so happened. I mean, it was it just so having my son was in that grade but you know growing up they were little we didn't have a lot of big guys on the team so we did a lot of pressing and things like that sometimes you you know when they were real young you had to find a tournament or they'd allow you to press because sometimes they didn't and uh you know we tried to get to the bigger tournaments and things like that and you know we were just toying around with one year you know I can remember and, and I suppose this is a guy I should have mentioned Barry Borchers from Lamar's ton of respect for him he was a boys basketball coach there when I was at Esterville and uh They did a lot of run and jump there, and man, I I thought it was hard to prepare for, run and jump defense and things like that. So we decided to dabble in it, you know, quite a bit while those guys were growing up. And then when they hit freshman level, uh, it was actually my dad that kind of convinced us to try it on a make or a miss, just try to do it, you know, constantly keep the pressure on the other team. And I think that's the biggest thing that's changed for us over the last five years is... You know, we focus a ton on defense and practice, and, you know, we've had some great shooters and things like that, and people will ask, you know, how much shooting do you do? But, you know, quite honestly, we do a lot more uh, defensive stuff than we do offensive stuff in practices, and a lot, <laughs> Larry never believes me, but it's definitely true. Our kids develop their shooting in the offseason, not during the season. So um, I would say probably that, the run and jump press and playing, you know, a, a faster pace a game.
0: Absolutely. Well, that was one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on uh, the show today, Coach, was to talk a little bit about that defense. Um, we were fortunate, uh, fortunate is maybe not the right word since we got smoked, but to play you guys a few years ago um, and it following you these last few years, you guys had some great success. I've really enjoyed watching you guys on that side of the ball, um, talking about running, jump, talking about pressing. If you could break down some of that philosophy, some of your defense philosophy into maybe two or three bullet points. What would those bullet points be?
1: Well, one of the probably one of the most important things that I think is when you when you teach full court defense and you have to hustle and cover the court and things like that, you automatically uh, are going to make mistakes and people are going to beat you at times and you have to learn to recover, and I that makes you a better half court team when you end up getting in a half court game, which you know for us hasn't been real often uh, a lot of times, but it has happened. So that would be one point is just that you know you being a full-court team makes you a better half-court team. Uh, one of the bullet points I try to convince people is, I you know, defense isn't fun for kids, but they love this because it turns into offense, and um, they once they buy into it, uh, you no longer have to worry about, you know, trying to convince them that defense wins games. They can see it in practice, and, and they love it because they're, you know, they're getting out, and lots more kids are getting to play, and, you know, they need breaks because you're going up and down and, and things like that, and Uh, so that that'd be probably number two and I'd say the the third thing that I love about the run and jump and the the reason I love it is because when I had to coach against it I hated it is it's so unpredictable so you can't you can only do so much as a coach on the other team you have to you know you can give your kids ideas but it's not coming at them from the same thing so you can't just say hey reverse the ball and you'll be fine or somebody's got to fill the middle it's you you truly do need four or five guys on the court that know what they're doing and are intelligent to to beat it and that you know we all know that from from coaching not not every year you're gonna have four or five good guys on the floor that can do that or even some of your good players may not be basketball savvy or whatever so uh, the unpredictability of it I think is is a real big factor.
0: So let's focus on that point of that unpredictability. I think a lot of us as coaches probably struggle with. Um, how to teach that right because now you're trying to teach decision making and that unpredictability in your own defense what's been some of the keys for you guys to be successful um, and giving your uh, boys a lot of that power to be able to make those decisions
1: well first of all I mean I I think the the probably the number one thing is we've been blessed with a lot of really good athletes Uh, you know and I I know you know that because you had some over there as well and And you're, you're just a lot better coach when you have a lot better athletes. It's crazy how that happens, but um, (laughs) yeah, it doesn't hurt at all. And, And honestly, I was pretty fortunate because I coached these kids. I actually coached two grades together because they had a mixture of kids that it worked out well with while they were growing up. So when we started doing all this, it is something we could work on a little bit at a time from third grade on up. So you didn't get frustrated with, you know, you start practice in November, you got two weeks and you're playing a game it's really hard to put that complex of a defense in and things like that. So now we can experiment with our youth and as they get there, they know a little bit more, but um, I think that's kind of one of the keys to, to being able to teach that because I'm a very uh, impatient, if we're trying a new offense and it stinks for two days, it's gone, you know, and, and it's, so this is one of the things I've had to learn to, to stick with and realize it's not always going to be perfect, but, uh, and, and you got to convince your kids the same thing. And I think that's another thing kids like about it is, you know, they can question you after game and you might say, you know what, you weren't necessarily wrong and I'm not necessarily telling you you did anything different. Maybe you could have done this, but there's no right or wrong answers every time. Sometimes there is, but a lot of times it's just, you got to hustle. And, and if you hustle and you can cover up your mistakes and things like that, and force the pace of the game, uh, it'll be effective for you.
0: Um, is there anything you're doing, uh, anything do, you're doing, you mentioned, recover is a big key. And and when you play in the full court, you learn to do it in the half court. Is there anything that way in terms of your practice or particularly a drill or anything that you feel like has been really effective in teaching the boys how to recover over time?
1: Yeah. And you'll probably, you'll probably think this is funny, but so my, I'm a, I'm kind of an in between a scrimmage and a drill guy. My assistant loves drills and my dad is a why are we doing a three on three drill? We don't play three on three, we're five on five. So, uh, you know, a lot of our defensive stuff, there really aren't, I shouldn't say there's no drills. There's a little bit of drill work, just you know, kind of getting the spots and things like that. But for the most part, it's live action and practice. And we're trying to teach, you know, we go for 10 minutes and then talk about a couple situations. So it's, it's tough to, te- it really is tough to teach and it's hard for kids. And it's really hard for kids that want a concrete answer. And you run into a few of those in your career where, hey, I need an answer, and you just have to convince them there isn't one. Just hustle if you're not sure, hustle. But, uh, you know, really, it's reading your teammates, so it's, you know, you can put it a, a thousand different ways. You know, if you jump off a building and you're holding a rope, everybody's going with. So if somebody rotates one way, another guy's got to be going the other, and, and you got to be past the level of the ball. So, you know, honestly, if there's a, a drill, I wouldn't say there's a specific drill, but one of the big things that we try to teach over and over and over is you got to be get away from your guy and get towards the basketball. That's the most important thing. If they're throwing a cross-court pass, good. We want, it. we want it that way. And it's just like you'd say in a half-court defense, you know, the more skip passes they're throwing, probably the better that means we're in position. So um, that would probably be the, the number one concept at least is, you know, don't let them come up the court on the half they've got the ball on, make them skip it over to the other side.
0: All right, so you're trying to force some skip passes, longer passes, getting your defenders to be off mm-hmm. of their own man. Those are a couple of the concepts. Are there any other key concepts uh, that you're trying to teach throughout the season?
1: Uh, You know, like, obviously the first one probably is ball pressure. Uh, You don't want kids, what we call it, window shopping or being able to look over the floor and and be able to make their decision just by standing around. So we try to get pressure on the ball. We try to – one of the big keys that we think, too, is you try to trap the dribble uh, and and get there when they're not looking if you can – uh, instead of instead of trying to run and trap somebody that just caught a pass that that can then make a live dribble um and then just your your basic rotations getting to the passing lanes you know if if the ball's coming up the side and and we're trapping from the front then our deep man has to get to the sideline and our opposite man has to get deep things like that and it's really very similar to what you teach in the half court just in a broader sense i guess yeah. um and then we we do have a lot of uh I don't know what you want to call them, but you know, if we it, we call it red, yellow, green. If we're going green, we're we may be face guarding the inbound. We're trying to make it tough to get in. We might double team their best ball handler so he doesn't get a touch. If we're going yellow, we're we're maybe letting it get in, but we're still trying to pressure a little bit and force them to the baseline. And if it's red, maybe we're playing real soft because they're going through our press and we want to want to change it up a little bit. But um, it it really surprising how often you just change kind of the not necessarily the press or the concepts, but just maybe the way you're. The, the amount of pressure you're applying at the beginning, in it, and it it really does make a difference. Sometimes when when teams are getting the hang of it, and then all of a sudden you change it a little bit, and and it seems to be effective again.
0: Um, really like the term window shopping and how you guys want to prevent that. What are some of the maybe key teaching points for getting your guys to be effective at putting pressure on the ball?
1: You know, that's a really that's that's a good good question. That's a really tough one. Uh, you know, we've experimented sometimes with we're always going to try to force them left. And then we didn't really like that because then we're giving them an advantage. And and some of the things that we like to try to teach in is if we can pressure the ball enough that they have to make a decision, but they're not shopping around and, and looking down the court, then now you're putting a decision in their hands. Are they going to go left? Are they going to go right? Uh, so, you know, we're, we're obviously trying not to foul. That's the number one thing, but we want to be up there on them. And, you know, here's a concept, you know, kind of what you're talking about is, you know, if Trey Shearer gets the ball, we might go double him right away because we don't want the ball in his hands. And if he makes a decision, he might go right by us. So we're going to go double that right away or better yet, don't let him get the basketball um, and, you know, get it. So we're playing him and making somebody else. We might even let somebody else be open. So they have to get it, you know, depending on who you're playing. So, you know, just things like that to me are easy concepts that you can change from game to game, but you're not changing anything you're doing. You're just changing maybe how the ball is coming in or the pressure you're applying here and there and, and who you're applying it to. So. You know, a lot of those depend on your team, too, from year to year, what what you want to do. Are you going to trap the corner if they advance it down to the corner, or are you going to play half court from there and things like that? So those would be a couple of the concepts, I guess.
0: Is the scout, you know, of the team you're playing, is that the major um, maybe decision and at least how you're starting the game? Uh, You talked about the red, yellow, green. Uh, Is that your major, I assume for most of us that is, is the same for you guys?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, in, in our scout, you know, we used to be a really basically a strictly half court offense, half court defense team, and we go through their sets and all that. And we we still do that to a degree, but we now, you know, we focus more on who are their ball handlers, who do we want the ball out of their hands and things like that, which honestly, for kids that age, that's a much easier thing for them to grasp than trying to, you know, most of them can't remember our own plays, so that I don't know how they're going to remember other, <laughs> other teams. So, we put it on paper, and if if they catch onto it, they catch onto it. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely you know that's definitely a a, a big factor in how we do things, and you know how many ball handlers they have, how how big a difference is there between their first and second ball handler. Do they have a third ball handler? Stuff like that. So um, that that's where we start, and then we build from there.
0: Um, and then my assumption is you guys are going to pressure off makes or misses. Is that correct most of the time? Be-
1: yeah for the last for the last five years, we've done that pretty, pretty consistently. Um, you know, the only exception might be if we're in foul trouble or who knows what the case might be. you know it's two two people are sick and, and we're not you know we're not full strength or something like that, but it's been pretty rare uh, that we have not done that. Uh, so yeah we we like to get pressure on that as soon as, as soon as they get it. Now you know, like you say, most teams, depends do they outlet it or are they a team that whoever gets it goes and things like that just kind of what you run into but you know if they outlet it let's we may run a guy hey your job is to go put pressure on the ball right away Mm -hmm. they're the if they're a team that tries to just take it and go then maybe we have two guys that try to contain the ball right away and the next two are in charge the first pass pass that, or whatever so just kind of depending on what what the other team does that's how we'll we'll prepare the next day or two in
0: practice. Is there any key teaching point or things you're doing in practice that you feel like has made you good at being able to pick or limit teams transitions, especially off of misses. Obviously I think it's a little easier to get into it off of a make, but being able to do that all the time, is there any major keys you feel like that has led to success that way?
1: Yeah. You know, I think probably the biggest key is, and I mean, that would be even if you're pressing on a make is you got to get the ball contained first and on a miss, obviously it's a little bit different. They may have a kid get a long rebound. And he just takes off or, or, you know, they may outlet it. They may not. It just depends. So, and they're not going to be as organized on their press offense as they might be, you know, on a make. So you're you're trying to get pressure on the ball and get it stopped right away and still prevent easy baskets. Um, you know, sometimes it sometimes it takes away from our offensive rebounding a little bit because we have to make sure we have deep covered uh, if we're going to pressure right away on a on a missed basket. So um, you know, prob- probably the ball pressure thing is is the thing that you know make or miss that we try to emphasize first, and then obviously you're trying to take away that very next pass down the court. So they have to look. I always say two steps ahead. How many kids play two steps ahead? Most kids don't play one step ahead, including our kids. So make them think two steps ahead because yeah, the really good players can do it, but then they've just thrown it to their third or fourth best player. And now that kid's got to make a decision and that's what we want. We want different kids having to make different decisions.
0: Um, you talked about obviously coaching your son um, and it's starting when they were younger, maybe looking around and being like, "Wait, we don't have a ton of tall guys here. Uh, What's, is that been how should I frame this question um what is that like trying to develop it with young kids you know third fourth fifth that kind of age group
1: yeah that was probably one of my biggest challenges because we always they always practice right after high school practice too so you know how that is some some of those practices get pretty intense and then all of a sudden you got third graders walking in the door or they're standing outside the door listening to you get intense during the high school game or practice but uh you know, honestly, with with younger kids, obviously, there's gonna be more mistakes. But, you know, if you look at it from a perspective of, okay, if you get it in the third best ball handler of a third grade team, that, that, <laughs> yeah. that can be very developed yet either, you know, so uh, you just, you know, to me, it's the high energy, the, the hustling, you'll make the last play at the basket, if we get beat those type of things. And if you teach those, I mean, that obviously helps you in basketball helps you in any sport you play. And, and I, I think that's been the biggest thing. It just, it teaches our kids, you know, we take pride in saying that we're playing harder than anybody. And sometimes it might look like we are, but we really, you know, maybe we're not, maybe it's just the pressure we're applying and things like that. But, you know, the film won't lie later, but you know, the, the team that plays harder, you know, that too, as a head coach, all head coaches know that if, if the talent's even the team playing harder is going to win. And, and if the talent isn't even, and you're the underneath talent, you can stay with teams as long as you commit to hustling more than them. So you know, that's that's more of a, a younger concept than, you know, if you're in the right spot or not in the right spot and, and things like that.
0: Yeah, I think we all say that at the almost any level probably is that energy and effort is gonna be the most important key no matter what you do. Um, but with the youth then obviously I, I kinda expected maybe that was the answer of making sure that they're enjoying the game, they're playing hard. When do you start to maybe incorporate some of your other concepts of where to trap the ball at or um whatever it might be, what age level is that occurring or did it occur? I suppose I could ask. Yeah,
1: that's a, that's a really good question. And you know, some of it we've been pretty fortunate because right now my younger son is, is a junior obviously. So he's been around for four of the last or three of the last five years. And then uh, the current eighth graders are my, my assistant coach's son is in that grade. So we have been able to just kind of slowly put those in with those, those groups and, um, And, and we also have like my sixth grade coach is our girls coach. So he kind of knows what we're expecting and trying to do because his son is now a sophomore. So right now we got a whole string of coaches that kind of understand it. And so we don't have to really, you know, they kind of just take the same drills we do and kind of, Hey, I don't care what age they work, what just start at the beginning and as they get better at something, add more stuff in. I know I got a good friend, Jared Perkle in Waverly that's uh, got a young group that he's putting it in with, and and they're just kind of going, you know, he's doing the same thing, self-paced. When, when we feel like we can go to the next step, we'll try to go to the next step. So, but to me, you know, it's hard because you can say you're going to put it in middle school, but what if 20 kids go out for middle school and six of them haven't played basketball before, and now you're trying to, you just can't do it. So it, it almost has to be put in on the outside, you know, the AAU programs and things like that. and And I've always thought that's one of the reasons we can do that kind of stuff is because we've always had – Good backing, not only of we have good kids, but we have good coaches and good parents that will get them to practices and we don't have, you can't have three guys go on every practice and teach them anything because then you got to go back and reteach it. So uh, I think our, our youth program being strong from third grade on up really helps too. But, you know, from the most part, I'd say sixth, seventh, eighth grade is when you're, you're really starting to run and jump and truly, you know, get the concepts and get the rotations and things like that.
0: So if there was a coach listening now or a coach who's watched you guys who is like, hey, I, I'm really interested in this. We want to play some pressure defense, but they don't, have a, you know, they don't have a youth program set up the same way you guys do, what would be your recommendation to that person who's only got two weeks to do something?
1: Yeah, I've talked to a few people about that. And honestly, um, I, I really think you know, high school kids can catch on to stuff pretty quick. Uh, and this is, although it looks chaotic, it really isn't chaotic. Uh, if you're the defensive team, it might be a little chaotic for the offensive team, but um, one of the things I always say is you gotta stick to it because it doesn't look pretty right away. Um, the other thing I would highly recommend, a guy named Eddie Andrist, uh, he puts out a video uh, and he's got a, a website you can go to and get a lot of the, the drills and stuff, but he does a really good job of explaining on his videos. And I, you know, I noticed, I didn't notice him until after we'd done it for a few years, but then when I got his video, I noticed a lot of his concepts and stuff were similar, maybe name something different or things yeah. like that. But I did pick up a lot of, you know, little drills that I liked that he taught or even like concepts of keeping, you know, both hands high and and things like that. So uh, he had some really – some some things I really, really like that I wished I would have known five years ago as as we all say as coaches, how did it take me this long to figure this out? But um, – so that would be one thing I would highly recommend is watching that in the off season, and maybe, you know, giving them a taste of it in the off season, Uh you know, I've talked to a couple coaches over at Liberty, and, and they've been dabbling in it in the, in the summer, and I'm interested to see how that carries over here into the, the fall and the winter.
0: Yeah, especially with a unique summer this past year anyway. That'll be kind of a shortened time, I would think. Um, you talked about in the youth, you know, hey, they're going, they're taking them, and you know, start with step one, and then they kind of go as they see feet fit, the coaches see fit. What would those steps be? Uh, where, what would step one be when trying to implement this and then step two, three after that?
1: Yeah. So for, for, for me, like we, we try to teach first just the, okay, when you go to trap, your hands have to be high, you gotta be ready to move your feet. We don't want to foul. Uh, you know, you got the dribble has to be picked up before you put your hands high, things like that. You can, again, Eddie Anders has some great drills for that, but I mean, you can, obviously they're not anything, uh, scientific. You could make a drill up pretty easily for that kind of stuff um, you know, then, then the concept of, you know, how to trap and get your, you know, get your feet in the right spot and things like that. And then you just kind of build from, from one on zero to one on one to maybe, you know, maybe you're now you're two on two, but when the guy goes to trap, you let a guy stand at half court and go intercept the pass to the open man when he leaves, just so that kid gets used to, okay, he left, I'm going, but there's no other place to throw it. So if I get there, we're going to steal it. Uh, I really firmly believe, and I, I try to tell these guys this all the time, that if if the first guy gets to the, to the next pass that he should and everybody else follows, that kid getting trapped is not going to throw it deep for a layup because by the time he's under duress, it's, he's not going to even be able to do that. And, you know, and I'm even a stronger believer of that you know, in girls' basketball or younger you know, the youth because kids can't throw it that far, plus they're being you know, double teamed and all that. So, um, you know, I'm always – I'm more than willing to share. I mean, anything I've got, I have stolen from somebody else. And I had a packet of drills I used when I started, and we honestly do a lot of four-on-four stuff, and maybe four-on-four plus one, where so that so if they you know you got an extra guy to rotate up, so they don't have that extra person that would be deep. But um, the the steps are are basically in the packet that we use, and like I said, they start from one-on-zero to one-on-one, on one, then you put a second person in there, and you just teach the concepts, and you know. the the run and jump truly if you teach it right if they come middle and you go to trap one guy stops them and that guy rubs off and goes to the next man so you really only have one on the ball if it's in the middle of the court so those type of concepts i think and they're you know really not that hard to teach you know and so going back to you have two weeks you know what the season's a long long season you don't have to be a great pressing team going into week one either uh you know you could just slowly get better and maybe you maybe you only try it when you're ahead during a game or. Or if a game's over and you know you're behind and that's the only way you could catch up give it a dabble and, and then pretty soon you're gonna know you know if you're working on it in practice and stuff when you're when you feel comfortable doing it in a game
0: I can I, I like that build-up coach um when you guys are teaching it maybe like five on five in, at the beginning of the season are you starting right away and, and maybe even with younger kids like we're trapping right away or we're just working first on um making sure we can put ball pressure and it's pretty much straight man to man
1: you know, we do – We do. so we'll do a lot of ball pressure stuff one-on-one, but as soon as we go to two-on-two, we're trying to teach, okay, he puts that dribble down, he's go one way or the other. We're yeah. trying to turn him, obviously, away from the guy that's going to trap and then come trap. If he comes right at you, you guys got to get him stopped, and then we try to teach that little run and jump switch. And honestly, I haven't picked that up a lot until this year. I'm kind of excited that that's one of the things that Eddie Andrus teaches really, really well. You can see them get the ball stopped and not trap two guys in the middle because there's more outlets, obviously, of the ball in the middle. And uh, they just have that guy kind of run off uh, further down the court, and, and I really like how that looks. So that's one thing we'll focus on this year. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be at five on five by the third or fourth day of practice, but it won't be the first time all these kids have seen it either. Yeah. Uh, you know, the current freshman that we have coming in, Grif, uh, Coach Griff or uh, Travis Griffith, our, our assistant coach, uh, his son is in the eighth grade and the eighth and ninth have been brought up together, kind of like uh, my son and the grade older than him were brought up together. So that group has already been doing it for several years and they'll know exactly what they're doing.
0: Um, Maybe just describe, cause I'm generally interested in what your uh, like a normal practice schedule would look like, how it kind of progresses through a typical early season practice.
1: Well, I hope Larry Carlson's uh, listening cause he never believes me when I tell him this. So <laughs> uh, you know, and we'll, we'll mix it up sometimes, but you know, we all have kind of a, a common thing that we do. So we'll, we usually come out and the first thing we'll do is, is some sort of shooting drill uh, and it won't be long because we have, a, you know, we, they come out and they kind of stretch out. We don't have a, a team stretch out or a team uh, shooting warm up. They, they do that on their own when they get there because they get there at different times. We want them to get going right away when they get there. So uh, once we start, we may do a little bit of ball handling, then we go to a, a shooting drill of some sort. We do a lot of um, what I want to call combination drills where maybe it's an attack into a shot or an attack into a finish and those kind of things. We probably do that more than shooting for sure. coach, um, so you
0: know, oh, just, just a sec, I'll stop you real quick. Are those sure. um, like uh, drills that are on air, so it's just the offensive players, or is there a defender typically in those situations? What are those um, like?
1: Yeah, a lot of times, like especially the the combination drills where we're finishing out the basket, we definitely like to have a defender. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we may or may or may not have a pad or just have them try to block the shot and tell them, Hey, you know, assume he's coming in here. Do you know, we tell them exactly what to do and show the other guy, what the you know footwork or hands would, would be doing. And, uh, you know, whether it's inside hand or Euro or whatever the you know whatever the case might be. Um, there's a lot, lot, obviously a lot more to that now than back when we were coming through the ranks. So, um, and then honestly, you know, we, we scrimmage a lot and, uh, Larry thinks we just shoot for two hours but we don't and we try to do drills but we've had Bob Hilmer here for five years and hopefully he'll listen to this we we weren't allowed to do drills he wanted to play five on five <laughs> uh, hard to argue with the guy that's the winningest coach in Iowa and has 58 years of experience or whatever it is so he wins out in those situations so uh we do a lot of scrimmaging, um and then we'll take breaks you know shoot some free throws when they're tired which is they're obviously going to be tired uh, the guys we always feel sorry for the jV guys because uh, they get to be on offense a lot, which a lot of jV guys would like that, but not when you 're facing the, the defense that they have to face but uh, and then we always you know at the end of practice and we we will do some half court shell drill stuff for defense uh, We do do that not near as often as we used to uh, and some take the take the charge drills because we think that 's important at the end of our press too we 'll do those occasionally as well but Uh, For the most part, it's, you know, we may go four on four or whatever for a while, but then it's going to get to five on five and we're going to be scrimmaging uh, quite a bit. So, you know, and and again, depending on the time of year, we might, you know, when we're in tournament time, we're honestly, we're only practicing for probably an hour and 15 to 20 minutes. And early in the season, we don't care if we wear them out. So we're going a little bit longer. And, you know, we may, we actually have from 3.30 to 6 in our gym. So that's pretty fortunate too, that we have enough gyms to do that. Uh, and so, you know, we normally try to get done at five thirty. So kids that want to put in a half hour of individual work can do what they want to do instead of uh, something that we dictated during practice. So, and then we can work with them individually too. So that works out pretty well that way.
0: So obviously the press and scrimmaging is going to take up a lot of the practice, but you're working on both offense and defense in there. But how, how do you feel like this has, uh, this system's affected your offense?
1: You know, honestly, to, to be quite honest, our, we've always been a set play team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And obviously, when you're playing fast, that doesn't really conduce it to set plays because you're doing a lot of stuff off transition anyway. So, it has forced us to teach more motion concepts that if we can. Um, I still don't think we're to the I, – I would say, honestly, it almost adversely affects your offense uh, just because you, we're spending more time, obviously, on defense, yep. but we're also – in practice when you're going a against b or whatever the case might be you're also scoring a lot on transition so you know if you think of offense as our offensive skill yeah we're getting better and things like that but if you think of the mentality of you know grind it out for three or four passes and get ball reversals it's almost adversely affected they got to be really mentally tough to do that because it just doesn't happen that often in practice the way we play you know, and we've even experimented the last couple of years with a lot of half court running jumps. So then if we're working on that, you, you can't run a play there either. So it's, you know, it, it's kind of counterproductive, but we try to teach it as, Hey, you know, most teams aren't going to do this to us. So this is what we would do instead. You know.
0: Yeah. So obviously that's probably, I mean, that's going to force you guys to get a lot better at offense. I would think in those just by playing the defense, um, but I'm sure there's some games where it ends up getting slowed down a little bit. And you talk about being set plays. Are you still making sure you're marking out some time to be able to work on those things? Um, And then maybe, you know, what percentage of time would that be?
1: Yeah. And I probably left that out a little bit. I I would probably be accused more of working less on all, I mean, you hear this all the time, teach them to be good players, not teach them plays. I'm probably the biggest guilty guy of that. Um, I love plays because You know, specifically, if we've got, you know, a guy we want to get the ball to, I like to have a play to get into the ball. I don't like to say, hey, try to get the ball to Miller, but run your regular play. So we definitely,
0: especially early in the season,
1: we will spend, you know, maybe that half hour of 530 to 6, maybe we're running through our plays to make sure everybody's got them. And you know, you know, anybody that coaches knows some kids catch on right away and know all the plays. Some kids don't know by the end of the year. So we may have kids stay after and just walk through the plays a little bit. But um, yeah, that's, that's a, uh, we, I probably left that out of the first little scenario there of our practice time early in the season. We definitely carve out, you know, 20, 25 minutes for that. And we try to really focus on, you know, knowing the plays that we have as set plays. And then what are your concepts on, on motion offense and, You know, because some of the same concepts you have on defense is if you hustle and you make your cuts hard and you do that kind of stuff, your motion offense will work. If you jog and if you, you know, stand still, you aren't going to get open looks on offense. So those type of things. Yeah, definitely. We definitely work
0: on. When you're practicing that half court offense, is that um, also in a five on five setting most of the time or is it a little bit more broken down, slowed down?
1: Yeah, I I would say, you know, for the most part, especially the set plays, we always run those five on five just to make sure everybody knows where they're going and stuff. But when we do motion stuff, we might do like a five, 10 minute segment where we're working on, let's say we're just passing the basket cutting. So they get used to it before we're actually in the motion and then the next day maybe we say okay we've already covered basket cuts we shouldn't have to tell you twice your high school kids so now here's a second option you can do and then hopefully it slowly in two weeks you know you've got a motion offense that's that's pretty effective
0: is that in the half court most of the time coach or do you guys play up and down for the that as well when offense is your focus
1: yeah when we honestly when we work on our offensive stuff we do a lot most of that half court definitely and, and a lot of it we'll do skeleton and then put a defense in there you know after we've worked five on zero for a
0: little bit um coach i think that's really all the questions i have i uh, really appreciate you taking the time is there anything else you'd uh, like to share before we uh, log off here
1: no one of the, one of the things i always like to say to any coach any age is you know, I, I noticed, you know, when I was two and 38, uh, very few people were calling to ask me anything or, you know, uh, Hey, what are you doing on that press offense where you can't get it to half court and things like that. And, uh, I look back at those days and, and I swear to you, two of the most fun years I've ever had at Lincoln central. I think the kids that were there would tell you that we, we had a blast. Uh, we didn't win many games, uh, but we knew going in, we probably weren't gonna, um, but you know, just to don't listen to the noise outside, uh, first of all, people telling you you're good, you're not that good a coach. If people are telling you that, that means you have good players. And, you know, if you're not winning, don't get frustrated. Uh, You know, it's, some of us are, you know, I've been very, very fortunate to be on both sides of it. And I'm glad I've been on both sides of it. Cause you know, people will say, you know, Hey, you know, thanks for what you do. And so I see, you know, this, people didn't say that the first three years I coached when we weren't any good, you know? So, um, you know, stick, stick to your guns and do what you're comfortable with. You know, you don't have to you don't have to adapt if you're if you're teaching what you're comfortable teaching. When when the athletes come along, you're going to get your wins. So, um, you know, just just that. And and I like you said, I I think it's most important thing that you can do as a coach. And I don't care what sport it is, is network. I will learn a lot more from you than I'm going to learn from going to a, a clinic where Tom Izzo is talking because Tom Izzo is not dealing with the same players I am, but you are. So. Uh, you know, get out there and network. Clinics are great, but so is going out and visiting with people one-on-one.
0: Absolutely. Well, thanks again, coach, for taking time uh, to share today. Uh, Appreciate you coming on and um, look forward to following your success this season.
1: All right. Thanks, Derek. Same to you and looking forward to watching you guys as well. Hope we don't play each other (laughs) late in the season.
0: (laughs) That's right. Thanks for listening. As always, if you guys enjoyed the show, go ahead and try and give us a rating wherever you listen to the podcast at. I think it'll help boost us up uh, and make us available for others to listen. And then please share with anybody who you think might be interested as well. Uh, Once again, thank you for joining us today.